Good morning, church. All right, I see you. Good. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I am just so happy. We, we have a full house on a holiday weekend. What? This is incredible. Um, gas must be high. Either way, I am glad you are here with us. My wife is not here this morning. She, last night, our dog, her dog, one of our dogs um, had a swollen jaw and it was, didn't look very good. I kept telling her it was just a pimple, but she didn't believe me. So she found a, she spent hours trying to find an emergency vet. It was, it looked pretty serious, I suppose. Um, so she woke up this morning and she took our, one of our dogs to the ER and uh, haven't heard, well, I, I got some news, she's gonna be fine, but I haven't heard the final bill yet, so pray for me, <laughs> pray for me. Um, she, she, might, she might show up and uh, come, come and sit right next to you, Dana. I don't know where she is right now. I don't. I actually don't know where she is, and that's concerning because this week I, I started to wonder. I had some doubts, if you know what I mean. She. I talked to my kids already. I haven't talked to her, so let me be the first to address this with her. But I was wondering if she was seeing somebody else because. I got a text yesterday that said, I'll be home in 10 to 15, Max. Now, my name's Trey, not Max. <laughs> so we're gonna have to resolve that, but I thought she'd get through this vet issue first. If that's indeed where she is, I don't know, we'll find out. Oh Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our time together. I thank you for all the guests that are in the room. I thank you for the new attendees online that are watching. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would saturate this place. God, let our spirits receive from you in a, a new dynamic way. God, I ask that you would uh, just invade our thoughts, invade our, our frameworks. God, let our hearts be open to receive all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say, amen, amen. amen. We're going to continue our series on the gifts of the Spirit. I've been talking about gifts, and I want to talk about a specific gift today uh, that's it's very interesting. Uh, I'll get more into it, but just know that at your disposal, God has given you a number of gifts, gifts of the Spirit. And we've talked about a few of them, and I've referenced them, and we've gone to Scripture. Um, but basically, the gifts of the Spirit is God's way of empowering Christians to do what His will is for their life. God gives you a gift, not so you can hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. God gives you a gift so that you can actually do what He's called you to do in power, with boldness, with confidence. Can y'all hear me out there? Do I need to talk louder? That's the purpose of the gift. First, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got everything you need. 
His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are part of everything you need. If you needed to have a gift to accomplish God's will for your life, you have that gift. Whether you see it or not, whether you've used it or not, if you need that gift, I guarantee you, you have that gift. Now listen, you don't need gifts to keep you saved. We're only saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died for our sins so that you and I could be in relationship with God. He rose again on the third day. That's all that we need is to put our faith, our belief in that to be saved. Gifts, you don't need gifts to be saved, but you do need gifts to be a living epistle. You need gifts to walk in power and authority. So you should be concerned about gifts. I know gifts can be a little weird if you don't if you're not used to them, if you're not familiar with them, I mean, it is the supernatural. The supernatural. You know, we've, we've created this word supernatural and made it seem as if it's something spooky, eerie, and weird, but it's just more than natural. For those who are in Christ, for those who walk by the Spirit, spiritual gifts are ultra-natural. Supernatural. The good news is that even if you don't know what your gifts are, that doesn't mean you don't have any. God has already given them to you. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to qualify for it. He invested gifts in you before you even knew what gifts were. You see, God God took a, a cut out of eternity out of forever, and he called that time. And at any given point, God can see your yesterday, he can see your today, and he can see your next year. He's not limited by time. He knows 10 years from now the gifts that you're going to need to fulfill the calling that's placed on your life, and he's already deposited inside of you the seed of the gift that you need 10 years from now. If you don't have any gifts that you know of, ask him. God is never offended when we ask for more of him. I mean, the Apostle Paul himself tells us to seek spiritual gifts, to desire them, to run after them. Now, we aren't talking today. This sermon is not about, if you showed up, we have a lot of first-time guests here today. Welcome to the Exchange Church. This is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. But what you're not going to find is a sermon any Sunday of the year about casual Christianity. Because casual Christianity produces casualties in the kingdom. We're talking not about casual Christianity. We're talking about being effective warriors, soldiers for Jesus Christ. Many of us stumble into our gift or use it sporadically. We use it when the Spirit moves us, right? When we set the worship music just right or the lights are dim, then we can step into our gift. But God wants us to use our gifts with discipline. God wants you actually to use your gift every day that you're walking on planet Earth. So let's go to our text today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. 
says, but the manifestation, manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Oh, my bad. First of all, I'm reading from the New King James Version. This is my Spirit-filled life Bible, New King James Version. You may be reading a different version. It might say different words, but it means mostly the same thing. Okay, I just didn't want you to get off if you're reading with me. Chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Everybody say profit. This isn't talking about a prophet like Elijah. This is talking about P-R-O-F-I-T. Your spiritual gifts or the use of your spiritual gifts will affect your profitability. I told you earlier that God invested something in you, and our role with that investment is to create a high ROI, return on investment, be profitable. We should be profitable for the kingdom. The gifts that God has placed inside of you should profit all. Gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. Manifestation means to appear, to shine, to be seen. You know, the word... The word became flesh when Jesus was born. Do you remember reading that somewhere in here? The word became flesh when Jesus was born. Holy Spirit becomes flesh when you use your gifts. Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. That's one gift, word of wisdom. Anybody think you have the word of wisdom? No one? Oh, well, let's pray over that one. Because our body should be full of wisdom. Uh, To another, the word of knowledge. (laughs) Maybe your wisdom suggested that you not raise your hand (laughs) so you didn't get called out. Another, the word of knowledge. Anyone with word of knowledge gifting in the room? I'm not going to test you. I'm not going to say stand to your feet and give us a word. Anyone with word of knowledge? Okay, one. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're way wrong. Okay, words of knowledge is where you have insight into a situation, things that have happened to people, their history, or et cetera, et cetera. So who, word of knowledge, wave at me? Oh, Jamie, didn't know that. Tom, Tom, good, good, good. Several, all right, nice. I'm not talking about that one today. Uh, To another faith by the same spirit. Anyone have a gift of faith? This is not the measure of faith that brought you to Christ, but a supernatural gift of faith where you have Big faith, and big faith comes easily. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, in this list that we just read are nine gifts. There are nine gifts, and... You can find more gifts in other places of the Bible. Paul lists more gifts in Romans 12. Uh, The offices of the church are listed in Ephesians chapter 4. You can find uh, in Isaiah chapter 11 verses 2 and 3. That tells us what happens when the Spirit of the Lord rests on us. And then also 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 28 lists even more gifts. So if you didn't find your gift in this list or something didn't resonate, that's okay. There are plenty of options in Scripture for you to look at the gifts. Everybody comfortable with that? Say, there's one for me. 
there's more than one for you, but there's at least one for you. This list that we just read, you can categorize them into three groups. All right, there are the vocal gifts, that's prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Then there is the revelatory uh, gift or the gifts of revelation, and that's wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Then there's gift of power, and that's the gift of faith. Power just, it sounds even fun, more fun to say. I have a gift of power. I'm a superhero. I have a gift of power, and that's gift of faith, gifts of healing. Did you notice in our text, this was the only one that had an S. It wasn't a gift. It was gifts. Did you notice that? There are gifts of healing. Um, this is the only one that has plurality to it because you can move in different types of a healing anointing. Anyone ever laugh from, uh, get a laugh from Tim Allen? Tyler Perry? Kevin Hart? Everyone, oh yeah, Kevin Hart. Uh, Adam Sandler? Okay, uh, Steve Carell? The Office? <laughs> Jim Carrey? All right, yeah, Jim Carrey. Sandra Bullock? Yeah, she's funny. Uh, Queen Latifah? You can tell by the people I chose what generation I came from. <laughs> they may not know it. They may not even know Jesus, but they have a healing anointing. Because the Bible tells us that laughter is good like medicine. And for someone that can initiate laughter in a room or among people, there is a healing ministry being applied. There are many different gifts of healing. Yes, I can pray for someone and pray that they get healed over time and that God restores their body, but God will also use laughter to heal people. So when you're down, depressed, broke, mad, confused, laughter heals. Turn on some of your funny television and just laugh a little bit. Laughter is good like medicine. Also, counselors heal. Some people, and I don't know why Christians are afraid of counselors, probably because they have befriended their dysfunction. I didn't mean that to come out as harsh as it sounded, <laughs> but it is the truth. Um, God will use counselors. God used a counselor to rescue my marriage 27 years ago. We were, you know the story, headed for divorce. God used a counselor to step in and tr change the direction of my marriage. God will use doctors to bring healing. I hope God uses vets. That was really good. No, that was good. I do really hope my dog gets healed. I really, really do. The gift of healing is a gift of power. And then the final one listed is the gift of miracles. I love the gift of miracles are different from healings because miracles happen instantaneously. The tumor falls off immediately. <laughs> Cancer is gone immediately. The blind eyes are opened immediately. Whereas healing, can take some time. 
God can use natural remedy. There are many avenues toward healing that God may want to use or choose to use in a person's life. And, and sometimes when we pray and we don't see the immediate miracle, we think God didn't answer and we lose the healing because we weren't holding on for the healing and we expected a miracle. Listen, I can't get, no, keep going, Trey. Keep going. That's not part of my stuff, but that is good. God will show up to you in ways you didn't expect to see him. Don't miss him when he passes by. I want to zero in today on one of the most troublesome gifts that exist. Out of that list that we just read, uh, it's a valuable gift, but in my opinion, it causes more problems than any other gift. So I want to give you some landmines on this gift. Is that all right? Can I just give you a bit? We're apparently lacking in wisdom in this room, so can I just give you some wisdom on gifts this morning. This is the most, in my opinion, and it's arguable, we can debate it, you, you can have your own opinion, I don't care, um, but this is the most troublesome gift that exists. Now, those who know me well probably think that I'm going to say prophecy. Those who know me well know that I'm very guarded about prophecy. I have the gift of prophecy. I've been burned by the gift of prophecy. And it's my goal for everyone in my flock to use prophecy with wisdom and with good measure and not recklessly. Do you know, you know what I mean? We don't prophesy from this church, whether on platform or in the parking lot, that you're going to marry some guy named Joe. We don't do that. We don't prophesy what the winning lotto numbers are going to be for you. We don't do any reckless. I don't know that we don't do it. But when we have done it, we correct it and we build the person up and we help them get on track. So you may have had an experience and you're like, oh, pastor, you don't know what happened to me in the back by E-Kids. They said X, Y, Z. You're right. I may not know. But here's what I do know. We are working to get better every day in the gift of prophecy. Um, I don't feel, while I do have much concern and care with the gift of prophecy, I have a great respect for it, a fear of it, a healthy fear of it. That's not what I'm talking to you about. I don't think prophecy is the most dangerous gift. I think the most dangerous gift today is the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits is the most talked about, but most underused gift in the church. The world needs few things more from the church right now than discerning of spirits. The church needs to be a voice to bring stability of discerning of spirits. And quite honestly, I think we may be crippled in this, not understanding what it is. So I feel that we're going to learn that today. We're going to talk about what that is and how to avoid some pitfalls, how to really hone in on that gift, because I guarantee you at least half of the room, at least half of the room has the gift of discerning of spirits, and you don't yet know it. So in this sermon, in the next 20 minutes, I'll explain what discerning of spirits is, and then I'll give you two examples of it, and then we'll call it a day, all right? Um, first of all, discerning of spirits is not discernment. There is a difference. A lot of people say they have discernment, and they may be right. They probably are right, but they just don't have the ability to discern spirits. 
Discernment is a human ability. Discernment can be cultivated by research, by diligence, by observation, by investigation. Uh, a good attorney is going to have uh, some discernment. They are going to be discerning. Um, a good doctor is going to be discerning. You go into the doctor, tell them your ailment, your, your condition, and other doctors haven't been able to figure it out. A discerning doctor will be able to say, I think it might be this. Let's run test X, Y, and Z. And they hit the nail on the head. Uh, they have high discernment. Discernment is not the same as discerning of spirits. People with little information on the spirit world people that are maybe far from Jesus, or maybe they know Jesus, but they've not investigated the spirit world much. People that are far from the spirit realm won't be able to discern a spirit. Notice in these gifts, it doesn't say the gift of discernment. I'm afraid too many Christians walking around here with good intuition thinking they've got a gift of discernment, and that's not actually even a gift listed in scripture. The gift is actually discerning of spirits. And of course, if we don't know what that means or how that's different than discernment, we can walk around with discernment thinking we're doing God's will, meanwhile missing the real gift that is on our life, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is knowing what is behind an action or a person. You may have discernment, which is a natural ability, but do you have discerning of spirits? Discerning of spirits is not a hunch. It's not going with your first thought. Anybody like me, you go to HEB and all the lines are filled and you choose what you think is the shortest line, gonna be the fastest, and then it's the longest. Me? Okay. We may not have the greatest discernment, but that has no impact on our discerning of spirits. Can I get a good amen for anyone who's waited in a line way too long? Okay, I'm right there with you. Discerning of spirits is not a hunch. It's not going with your first guess. It's not intuition. It's not a feeling. It's not gut instinct. Those are all processes of the mind. Those are processes of intellect. That is you harvesting data around you, looking at what you see present, making and forming your best guess. Even most hunches and instincts are based on past experience. If you walk into a hot kitchen, you're probably not gonna touch the stove because your instinct, your gut would tell you it might be hot. That's not a spiritual gift. It's discernment. Good on you, because some people don't have that. Those are processes of the mind. I'm talking today about discerning of spirits, which is the ability to distinguish, to discover, to decipher the motivating source of an action. It's our supernatural ability to identify the sending agent. Now, maybe if I gave you an example, this would be easier. Anyone a little confused on the difference between discernment and discerning of spirits? Anyone? One person is, okay, good. Let me just, this will help you. I have two envelopes here. Um, just looking at them, I see that one has typed address. It has a typed address. It's colored paper. looks like a form letter. It's got a window envelope. That's never good. 
This is handwritten, and it's the size of like a Christmas card, right? Without reading anything on the card, what does our discernment say? What's going to be the more fun one to open? This one. Okay, that's discernment. That is discernment. You don't know what's in here, but you discerned that this would be the fun one. Now, discerning of spirits is who is the sender? It goes beyond what envelope looks good and feels good to reading this top corner right here. This is Steve and Sue from Orlando, Florida. I know who sent this. I'm discerning of the spirit behind the envelope. I know the heart of the sender. This one says, attorneys at law. I know the heart behind what sent this. And then thankfully it was sent to a name that's not mine. It just had my address. So I'm very happy about that. Um, some guy gave my address uh, and the attorneys are looking for him. Um, Nelson, you're an attorney. Please let these guys know they sent it to the wrong address. Do you understand the difference now between discernment and discerning of spirits? Discerning of spirits helps me know the motivating source or the sender. You can, be, you can have actions, thoughts, behaviors motivated by one of three things. God, the flesh, or demons, the devil. All the mail in your mailbox comes from one of those three. God, the flesh, the devil. Too many of us are checking our mail without checking who the sender is. Listen, God did not send you that married man. God did not send you that illegal tax loop. God, God did not send you that thing that is going to destroy you five years down the way. We have to get better at discerning of the spirit, not just looking at the mail, not just looking at the package, but finding out who is the sender. Because sometimes things look good that weren't sent by God, and sometimes things look bad that were sent by God. It gets a little bit confusing. I, I can tell you firsthand from my experience, the first time I took a maybe not the first time I took a drink of alcohol, but one of the times I took a drink of alcohol, I, I thought the cinder was freedom. I only later found out the cinder was bondage. So we have to look beyond the thing to see the source that's sending the thing. This is important because discerning of spirits is God's resource to uncover the nature of a thing. It's God's diagnostic capability. Your ability, by the way, to see the invisible does not make you prophetic. Many people think because they have high discernment, they're prophetic. 
most prophets, people with the prophetic gift, will often have a gift alongside that of discerning of spirits. But not all people with the gift of discerning of spirits has the prophetic gift. Some people mistake the discerning of spirits for a prophetic gift. Discerning of spirits allows me to see what is invisible. Being prophetic lets me know what God says about it. So some of us have the ability to see the invisible, but we don't know what God is saying. Discerning of spirits is very important because when you encounter people that need healing, restoration, deliverance, freedom, or breakthrough, you won't be able to do that efficiently. We've had a, a number of weeks here in the auditorium. It's over now. Uh, spirit connection where we were learning as a team, as a group, as a family to hear from Holy Spirit. And it was, I see several of you in the room and that was a fantastic experience. And we all got breakthrough in certain areas and restoration and revival in our own hearts. Marriages were strengthened. So many good things. But what we did in that room was we got to the root of some things. You won't be able to walk someone through healing or restoration or deliverance efficiently if you can't discern the spirit behind the thing. Helping people, helping people hinges on knowing the root source, the sending agent, because you handle each case differently. God, the flesh, and Satan. If God sent it, I surrender. If the flesh sent it, I crucify it. If the devil sent it, I rebuke it. Some of us are trying to rebuke what the Lord has sent to grow us. And then some of us are trying to surrender to what the enemy sent to destroy you. We have to discern the spirit behind a thing. One of the things that sin compromises, sin, S-I-N, compromises, is your ability to distinguish the difference. Discerning of spirits helps us know the difference between the thing and the sender. But sin will harden our hearts where we can't notice the difference. Discerning of spirits is critical to know the difference. And sin will make us think everything looks the same. All relationships look the same, every city looks the same, every season looks the same, every opportunity. But the supernatural ability to know the difference between the things will prosper you. It will profit the kingdom. And the challenge for people with anyone here, now that I've talked a bit about it, do you feel like you have discerning of spirits? You're like, oh, I think I got it. Raise your hand. If Don't be shy. I'm not going to test you or challenge you or... Okay, a number of you. Listen, the challenge with the people that have a heavy gift of discerning of spirits when it operates strong in their life is these people oftentimes are challenged to grow in love. They're always looking for what's behind what is. It compromises the ability to grow in love if they're not disciplined in it. They can't just take what they sense about people and then treat those people the way they sense because they're sensing the thing that sent the person, not the person. So sometimes people with discerning of spirits will, if they're unhealthy, they'll appear harsh, rude, abrasive, guarded, isolated. They'll become lonely because they don't trust the world because they see what's behind it. 
but the devil will use your gift as an inroad to bring you down. So if you have discerning of spirits, you have to guard it well. You have to nourish it and make it healthy because the gift on your life was never meant to isolate you from the people God has called you to love and to reach. Paul said the unseen world is more than the seen world. Is this helping you guys? The unseen world is more important than the seen world. And this will help you so that you don't marry a loser (laughs) or leave your child with a pedophile or take an opportunity that pulls you away from the church family you're rooted in only for your family to dissolve 60 miles later. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. What are those? Soul and spirit. Those are sending sources. Every thought, every action comes from the soul or the spirit. And of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you think you have discerning of spirits, but you don't read your Bible, you are operating out of discernment, not discerning of spirits. Discernment is a human ability. Discerning of spirits is a gift from God. Negative people can look like they've got discerning of spirits. Critical people can look like they have discerning of spirits. But the reason why they don't, if you're not reading your Bible, the reason why you don't is because the word of God is the foundation of all discerning of spirits, which means that a Bibleless Christian does not have discerning of spirits. So for everyone who raised your hand, now's the moment of truth. Do you really have discerning of spirits or are you operating out of discernment and thinking God has a gift on your life? My guess would be he probably does have a gift on your life, but if you're not in God's word daily, you're not using the gift to its full potential. You're not using the gift to its potential at all, to its limited potential, because you can't use discerning of spirits based on your own logic and your own gut reflexes and your own past and the history of what you've encountered. The discerning of spirits are eyes to see what no one else can see, not through any history that you have, but only through the spirit of a God who's already been in tomorrow. Everything that needs to be discerned is not demonic. Sometimes we need to discern good things. Do you remember when uh, Samuel went up and, and he was looking for a king and he went to Eliab and he stood before Eliab, Jesse, one, of, one of Jesse's sons, and he said, oh, surely this is the one God has chosen because he looked right. He was fit. He had nice teeth. He had good hair. He had good clothes. He had muscles. He, He looked right, and Samuel said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And God said, that's not him. I don't look on the outside. I look on the heart. And he went to the next one, and God said, that's not him. He went to the next one. That's not him. That's not him. That's not him. Finally, he gets to David, who wasn't even invited to the selection party. 
And what would have happened had Samuel in that moment discerned a spirit on Eliab that didn't exist? He would have chosen the wrong king. So what in your life is being sent to you, sent to be a distraction or a divine revelation from Holy Spirit? We have to be able to discern the driving force behind a thing. I'm out of time, but I want to give you an example of this. Can I give you a real-world example? By real-world, I mean a biblical example. Because you can't get more real-world than a biblical example. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. No one really ever talks about this being a a discerning of spirit block of text. But you'll see it when you see it. You'll see it. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. If you allow it, your flesh will try to reveal things to you. You'll look at the landscape of our current culture and and your flesh will want you to bring correction to whoever you disagree with. It will convince you that your voice was created for such a time as this. And it may be, this may be the time for your voice, but who's sending it? Don't let your flesh send it. Don't don't let doctrines of demons send it. Let your voice be sent when Holy Spirit sends it, when he's the sender, when he's the name on that envelope. few verses later in 21 from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised and Peter took him aside Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him Peter took Jesus aside and Peter began to rebuke Jesus saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Poor Peter. That that dude just had his name changed. He just went from Simon to Peter to, to Satan like that. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I want to encourage you today to discern the thing behind the thing. It's easy when you're your spouse goes off at you, raise, raises their voice, that the, the temp the temper flares, it's, it's easy to look at that and call that out, but there really is a thing behind that thing. 
and you really have authority over that thing. If that was being sent by the enemy, guess who has authority over it? Oftentimes we'll make the enemy the person standing right in front of us. Hold on. I'll keep this. Thank you. Sitting on the second row right here is Jonathan Lewis. Jonathan, you didn't know I was going to talk about you. I hope this is okay. But um, when we started this church in 2010, we moved here in 2010. Our office was in my home. And we were setting up and tearing down in a school. And Jonathan's dad called me. He saw in Valpac, we were advertising, Bishop Lewis called. I answered the phone. Jonathan, just wave your hand at people so they know who I'm talking about this, Jonathan. He, I answered the phone and he said, Pastor Trey. And I said, yes, sir. I got a message from the Lord for you. Jonathan, I don't know if you even know this about your dad, but he called me and he just began to read my mail. He told me things that no one, knew about me and he your dad could talk he talked a while and after he got my attention with all the words of knowledge and the revelation that he had about me and i i just sensed the spirit behind the man he just began to pour into my heart and he told me that god was sending us here that we were needed here that his dad was a, a pastor in the area bishop lewis a great man of god went went to be home with the Lord in September of 2014, I think. 2014, you were 23 years old, right? 23, 24 years old, yeah. Thank God for a man, your dad, who could discern a spirit behind a new preacher coming into town. Because what might have looked like competition to a worldly pastor, for a man who could discern of spirits, your dad, Bishop, Lewis, he was able to pour into a whole other body of believers. To profit is us all. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I want us just to commit to shifting our focus. Whatever the thing is, let's just throw it off. If it's despair, let's, let's throw it off. Let's put on a garment of praise this morning. All right, let's not look at the thing. Let's discern the spirit behind the thing and walk in the boldness and confidence and authority that God has for us. Can we do that? Let's worship.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe this week there's going to be a stirring in our hearts. A stirring in our hearts to discern the spirits of the things that are being sent your way. Oh, this this is what freedom looks like. This is what freedom looks like to not just have to take whatever the world throws your way, but to discern the spirit behind it and put it in its proper place. Amen. If you're here this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus, you, you just felt the peace that was in the room. Just such a peace here. People not freaking out about what's going on with the world, but all the, the chaos of the world. People in this church family that are just sold out to Jesus and just okay with his hand of protection on us. And you want that peace. You're ready to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus. You're going to say this prayer with me if that's you. And we're all going to join you, actually, so you won't stand out. Just put your hand on your heart. And to put your faith and your trust and your belief in Jesus Christ, we're going to say something simple like this. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner, desperately in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who gave his life to take away the sins of the world. I believe that he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave so that I can live a victorious life. From this moment on, my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate everyone who said yes to Jesus this morning? If that was you, please text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 512-980-1220. For all the men in the house, make sure that you sign up for Men's Breakfast on July 16th. It's 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. We're going to have food, maybe bacon, and a lot of good fellowship. I love you guys. God bless you. Now that you've been to church, go be the church.